There are multiple ways to keep in touch with the Wolf Connection podcast. Through our Instagram handle, the Wolf Connection Pod, and for comments and questions, send us an email to podcast at wolfconnection.org with your comments, questions, and guest ideas for Stephen and myself. You may hear your question answered on an upcoming podcast. Thank you for your support and howls to you all. Welcome to the Wolf Connection Podcast. I'm your host, John Calvin. Let's talk about some more. Traveling once again. So um, I've been very lucky and blessed to have another participant who we've had on the podcast before, but Bridget Borg from Denali. Uh, I did miss her panel, full disclosure. So <laughs> she can needle me as much as she wants <laughs> for the next, you know, 20, 30 minutes, however long we're here. Um, First of all, how is it for you just to be here? Uh, this is your first time, right? Two, or were you at the last one? I was at the last one. Yeah. yeah, I was there in 2018, and that was a great experience. And I met a lot of people, and was able to create a lot of actually great collaborations that that came out of that meeting. Yeah, yeah. and then this one. So you just did your panel, which was about the entirety of of your research through Denali, and I know you had family come in. What was what was that like? Because we were talking about that on the way on the way up to do this. How was that just to have them here and and be present for that? Yeah. Well, this was my plenary. Tomorrow's the panel. Ah. So um, <laughs> thank you. Anyways. See, she's gonna yeah, correct me see, multiple correct times. You. It's fine. Um, he wouldn't know because he wasn't there, so <laughs> it's okay. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, yeah. So it was a really great opportunity. I mean, first of all, just to share the history of research in Denali and Alaska with people. And as you mentioned, my family came because they are from Minnesota and they're just really sweet. And <laughs> <laughs> so that was an extra um, added moment of like genuine kind of heartwarmingness of, of the whole thing. But um, yeah, having the opportunity to come to a conference like this, you know, a lot of people's, I think, attention and knowledge base really comes from wolves in the lower 48. And some of the issues, obviously, that they're facing probably, you know, in their locality um, or maybe something that's a little bit more um, in people's, you know, realm, like Yellowstone. In their view, yeah. In their view, right? Um, So coming here and being able to maybe put Alaska in their view and Alaskan wolves in their view was kind of my goal. And also talking about like we have this really cool long history and trajectory of um, kind of the evolution of policy in the National Park Service and how they were going to treat predators that happened and really like all um, kind of coalesced in Mount McKinley National Park, which was the original name for Denali National Park. Yeah, And so it played a really big role in that history. And so I think letting people know about that that role and the importance of it was um, was kind of fun. Yeah, good yeah. to like pull that back to to people's um, forefront. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Like when when we when I just spoke to, with uh, Bridget, Joey, and Kristen, um, it just seems like a lot of the stuff that was maybe out of focus or not really in everybody's right in the front center. So like Mexican, you know, Mexican mm-hmm. gray wolves, red wolves, and the and the genealogy, the gene stuff that's happening there, mm-hmm. the ghost alleles. And it's making it, I, I don't want to say cool, but it's everybody, it's, it's at the forefront now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, are you experiencing that at all at this conference? Maybe that, you know, Denali and the stuff from Alaska is starting to become a little bit more in the forefront or is it still just sort of networking and mm. figuring that out? 
Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think for me, it's always at the forefront because yeah, that is of course, that you're is there. my job, that is my world. So for me, uh, a conference like this brings those other things, like getting to hear uh, from somebody about the Colorado wolf reintroduction and you know what's going on with Mexican gray wolves, like having that all synthesized by these people who it is their world. That is great because it just it broadens that perspective for me and like brings everything um, together. So um, yeah, I was just hope that I was able to do that for other people yeah. <laughs> regarding like um, Denali wolves specifically, but kind of just thinking about wolves in Alaska as well. Yeah, just give everybody a, a brief, I guess, synopsis of what what were you trying to get across in 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 your talk and trying to convey to the rest of the people that were here because you're talking about again over 400 individuals from all over the country all over the world what what was your aim really in in that in that talk yeah so so john you're trying to get me to like synopsize the whole thing because you missed it right <laughs> yes like, that's exactly like it. i missed it yeah. so can you just redo it can you just please? yeah exactly um <laughs> <laughs> Just give me the elevator version. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. I mean, it was tough to do in 30 minutes. Like, I covered almost like 100 years of history. Like, I went back to 1917 when the park was first created and, you know, how McKinley National Park was a relatively new park. So there's this, like, you know, pretty young agency, the National Park Service, that's dealing with a park that has a full complement of its predators still there, right? Yeah. So Dolly National, or what was then McKinley National Park, was created to protect primarily the species of dull sheep. They're like an iconic white sheep that inhabit, you know, Western Canada and Alaskan, like, alpine rugged terrain. And so it was only a decade after the establishment of the park that the sheep population began to decline. And so even though the Park Service was having some of these, um, was I think kind of at the forefront of realizing the importance of predators and maybe allowing parks to be these um, reservoirs where we could leave things unmolested, even yeah. though it was despite what was natural. going on. Yeah, yeah right. Um, and, you know, a key kind of theme through my talk was uh, Joseph Grinnell's idea of, living laboratories. The national parks could be living laboratories where we protect and conserve wild lands and wildlife as it was. And, you know, the native fauna retained their their primitive relationship to each other. <laughs> um, yeah, so this idea, you know, was was kind of a new idea. The Park Service was like, thought that maybe they should be this living laboratory, but there was so much you know, public and like special interest pressure to control wolves, to kill wolves because the sheep population declined. And so the Park Service really, um, you know, had a lot of growing pains, I think, with uh, coming to terms with how they were going to deal with this. So um, they did kill wolves for a period of time and then they stopped and then they killed wolves again. And then they actually hired a biologist, Adolf Murray, to come and study the system. And so Adolf's studies were really formative in um, understanding both like wild wolf packs. Like there wasn't much opportunity <laughs> before for people to observe, um, I guess coming from the Western uh, culture perspective, right. for people to observe and um comment and document like 
wild wolf behavior. So he really contributed a lot to that early understanding of wolf dynamics and um, also, you know, said wolf could, wolves obviously can prey on these sheep, but there was some pretty dramatic winter conditions that led to increased vulnerability of the sheep. Right. And so even following that, you know, there was still a lot of pressure. Like this was kind of contributing to the people's understanding of the role of predation and prey. Um, But, you know, there was still a lot of... um, a lot of desire and public pressure and even Mary himself. And, you know, I have a quote from my plenary, which, <laughs> which <laughs> I if I would have went to, I would have heard. Yeah, you would have heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, you know, even Adolf Mary, this, you know, kind of iconic conservationist, I think, um, you know, says like, I think we should do wolf control. Like there's, are we not just bringing too much opposition to the wolf and too much, you know, um, bad press basically to the wolf? Maybe some control in this instance is the best way way to to help the wolf. And wolf control did continue in the park for over 20 years. It wasn't until the 1950s when they stopped doing any active wolf control. And so that was kind of part of a changing tide of both federal wolf control started happening outside of the boundaries. So that kind of reduced pressure. And I think there was a growing awareness of the importance of this area. You know, a lot of scientific organizations were saying, hey, this is maybe the one place left on the continent where we can provide a sanctuary for wolves. Yeah, a living, breathing sanctuary. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really fascinating. I mean, I know when Steve and I were talking to you before, it's the backyard that you have is so incredibly fascinating and there's just so much to do. And, and it's, does it feel sort of recluse a little bit? I mean, I, I don't know if we talked about that in our, our talk before, but like, it's not, you know, Yellowstone has this path to get in. I know there's a path to get into Denali, mm-hmm. to Denali, but it almost seems Denali is sort of this, this treasure that, you know, only certain people can get to in certain points of the year. I mean, do you feel that at all with where it is? Oh, yeah, that's kind of a good question when you start to think about like accessibility to the world and everything. (laughs) Um, So I think in terms of like physical accessibility, it does obviously take a greater um, effort, I guess, to get to Alaska, first of all, for most people who don't live there. And then, um, you know, there's 6 million acres of the park. We have one 92-mile-long road that transects, you know, through the park and visitation is a regulated system, so people are traveling by buses. And so that is, um, you know, there are a number of steps that people need to take to access this place. But I think that also, not that it's kind of reclusive, but it those factors help maintain some of the wilderness aspects of it. Mm. Um, it's just the nature of where it is, you know. Yeah. That's what we're maintaining is an area that is remote and wild and and that it's not that easy to access necessarily. Yeah. And you're basically, I mean, you're, you are a steward of that place. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's, that's the work that you do. I mean, is there, and we were, you said something just before too about uh, talking about the, the sheep population. And I know we were both at the, the early um, discussion where they were talking about a lot of management, uh, wolf management, which, Mm-hmm. You know, I think was, we had a little bit, you know, you, we were just talking on the way up here about how, you know, 
they started the, the conference off like that, and we're like, okay. And it's and you did bring up a good point to have both sides of the equation in here because if it's all one sided, like you say, if it's if it's all pro wolf or not even it's not even about being pro wolf or anti wolf. I think it's just being about the measures that have to be taken in some of these other places. Um, do you find that as a as a scientist that that's good because you want to have that give and take? Otherwise, you know. Is it going to be believable when anybody does research, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, what all those talks early to earlier today, which talked about, you know, wolf control. So, like, in a lot of places, there's still active lethal control of wolves. And when that happens, um, I think common to all of them is that they, they try to preface it with explaining that in some ways it's a question of, um, like, I guess, dissecting the science from the values. Right. You know, so yeah. there's like science about like what happens when we kill wolves and, you know, how <laughs> ungulates respond to it. And that can get distorted because of people's values. And so yeah. I do think it was good in a way to to set up that framework for people, you know, like um, here's the science and take that or leave that, but understand that you're, you're filtering it through a lens of your values. So... Right. Um, you know, and I think they even had like a really good, um, you know, kind of question of like, is it is it ethical to kill wolves if we're trying to keep, you know, caribou herds from going extinct? Yeah. Like a few wolves, you know, kind of at the cost of like increasing caribou numbers. Is that yeah. is that worth it? You know, that those are like ethics questions and values questions that get really sticky for people. Um, but I think it was good to bring to people's forefront that like. There is science, there are reasons, management goals or like, um, you know, population maintenance goals, right, you know, like yeah. um, that are there too um, for species other than wolves. And it's yeah. and it's not simple, as we all know. Yeah. I mean, the, the ecosystem, everything that, that we, you know, that you're a part of, that uh, many of the people here are a part of, is that it's, you're right, it's not just one predator it's mm -hmm. you have to figure out all these other and there's a lot of cultural and social mm -hmm. aspects that come into this so it's not so cut and dry it just it can't be um yeah. and it's it like like you said it's a good i think you're right it, it really sort of set the tone and it, it it was like okay we're gonna see how this goes mm -hmm. um but it's it, it's good to hear i think it's to have it out there so at least it's there mm -hmm. and it's not just you know, we're seeing this research and, it, you know, people might not read it all the time. And I think if you get 400 people who actually can listen to it and see it mm -hmm. and then they can take it back and say, hey, this is what other places are doing or they have to do for X, Y, and Z reason. Mm -hmm. It's good to have that. Otherwise, in the public sphere, you're just talking about one side or the other. Right. It's not going to work, you know? Yeah. 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 And science gets distorted, I think, a lot in order to kind of match what people's, you know, how they want things to look on one side or the other. Yeah. So I think, you know, trying to, I think I think that's an important thing. And I think it's kind of a framework, you know, it's good for something like this to open up to people. Like if, if they're not <laughs> expanding, <laughs> yeah. if we're not expanding our minds, you know, like a, a meeting of minds, like what are we doing? So, you know, but I, I think that that really important, like dissection of like, here's what the science says, here's what, your values are and like being right. clear, like, oh, these are my values. So like I hear that science, but my values still say this, you right. know, like 
that's something that I think is is really hard for people to be self-aware about, but um, is also really important and kind of a good opportunity with um, venues like this. Yeah, and if you want to hit middle ground, you're not going to hit it by just... By, by, by doing just, one side there. Yeah, yeah, by just standing on your values. Yeah. And just Well, I mean, you can just stand on your <laughs> you values. You can, yes. You can but, just stand on your values, but at the same time, if you're arguing and say, if you're arguing about the same piece of science and one side says it says this, and one side says it says this, it's like, well, it just says, you know, yeah. X. And, and my perspective on that is that... Is that, yeah. Why, you know? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. For you personally, was there any, and I know we're only on the, f- the first full official day, was there any talk or any person, any group of people that you were itching to meet, to talk with, to correspond with? Was there anyone that you, you know, had, you know, high hopes of meeting and, and talking with? Oh, um, <laughs> that's a good one. Um, yeah, I mean, I honestly, there were probably some people I, I, didn't know how much I would have in common with. So then when mm. I, once I start talking with them, I was like, oh, yes, I actually did need to have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I needed right. to talk to you. Yeah. Um, so sometimes that's a little unexpected to me. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to, like, I can't just pick out one. I feel like there are so many people that I've met that I uh, I, I can't pick, you know? Yeah, um, even like your but, top, you know, two, three, like who yeah. just, you know, throw some names. Who do you, you know, who, <laughs> you know there's, four, I, there's 440 yeah, exactly. people, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, well, I'm looking forward to meeting the other Bridget. Yes. Yes. I know. You're talking about that. I've you had back to back, we've had back to back Bridgets. Yeah. <laughs> you were just chatting with uh, Bridget Von Holt, who um, I like read some of her research. And I was like, oh, someone else in the literature <laughs> named Bridget. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I haven't found her yet, though. Yeah. Yeah. She, you can find Brit. I can. I can introduce the Bridget. Oh I, can, I can make the Bridget you, connection happen. You can make up for not attending my plenary. I can absolutely. I can. <laughs> At the very least, I can have you meet Bridget Von Holt. I'm not going to live this down. I know it. <laughs> I'm going to get random emails from Bridget Borg and be like, thanks for not attending. Um, <laughs> I mean, what's, what's it, what, are, what are some of the differences uh, as how, how do you take in information as opposed to speaking the information? So when you're in there and you're, you're listening, you're taking in, what's your process? I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. everybody does it differently and there's a different mm-hmm. faction, but what are, what are you looking to gain out of it when you, when you go to a certain talk or you go to you know, a certain panel and things like that? Or... Yeah, I mean, I, um, I like to sit there and sometimes just take notes. Like even if it's something I, I know something about, like I, I feel like taking notes is, keeps me engaged and kind of like picking out the salient points that I, I want to think about and writing down, you know, articles, like thinking of my like to read list is really engaging too, because, um, you know, there's, there's ways in which you can get kind of siloed in your, your one area. So it's nice to think about ways to expand, even though, I mean, you're still still siloed in the wolf arena, but right. ways to expand in that is, is really great. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think in my mind, I'm always thinking, not always, but I, I do think about the parallels between my work and other people's work and, you know, thinking about what they do that I could incorporate or, um, you know, innovations that might be worth trying and, um, you know, opportunities for collaboration. Like I'm, I really 
like to emphasize, you know, opportunities for collaboration and mm-hmm. try to bring that into Denali a little bit more because I think it both brings Denali into other people's worlds. Yeah. And, um, but also, uh, yeah, helps helps me make, you know, Denali's research and that legacy of it more relevant and broad. So, um, so yeah, so those are all things I'm thinking about. Yeah. And you should, I mean, it's, like you say, it's, it's very cool to see everybody just like being able to meld into different places. And, and I, I hate to use the word click, but you just get to see how people react where they go, oh, I, I haven't, I've read your research and I, I haven't mm-hmm. seen you physically, but mm-hmm. I know everything about you or I know, mm-hmm. or I've, you know, like you and I, you know, uh, you, Bridget, uh, the other Bridget, you know, Kira Cass, like all these people that I've met over Zoom, but then when you finally in person, it's such a mm-hmm. different dynamic because yeah. you're like, oh, these people are actually real. And not that everybody was real before, mm-hmm. but you just have this different, you know, motivation to want to learn more because it's it's personal. It's it's one on one, and you can really get to you know get to the root of what they're doing and why they do it. Yeah, I I feel like I learn a lot too from um, like you know if you if you've read someone's paper that they've authored, say you you read this paper and you get a sense of um, you know the work they've done, but then seeing the person. And then talking to them about that same thing, you can get a whole nother perspective on that work that you just can't get in another way. And that that can be a lot more sticky, I think, it, mm. for me, like in learning about that person or learning about that research, just having that personal connection. So. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are you looking forward to? What are you trying to get out of this before you head back to Denali? To Denali? What's the, are you, try, like you said, you're trying to get more, exposure for Denali, you're trying to get, you know, collaboration. What's the one thing that you think you're going to be able to take from the symposium that you you think is going to have an immediate impact for you when you head back? I know it's only the first day. Yeah, yeah. right. So I know. it's like, what there's another it? couple of days. One but thing I'm going to take home. No, um, no, I, yeah, I feel like there's, I, I feel like there's a lot, you know, I feel like um, in one, I guess what I would say is that, um, in like day-to-day work, sometimes you just get really focused on, you know, doing the next thing, the next task, the next emergency. And I think that almost the the perspective from this, like just taking a, a deep breath and a break from being on my computer and doing all of that and coming back with a little bit of a, a different perspective on things, mm. is probably one thing I want to take away from that. Yeah. yeah. Do you think this gives you, if you needed it, do you think this is, gives you a little bit more of a jolt of like, ooh, like I'm, I'm doing really, really cool stuff. Not that, no, I don't think anybody gets, and who knows, I don't know about the work that everybody else does, but sometimes people get, you know, in the mundane and things, you know, you doing day to day. Is this sort of a, did it give you a little bit of a jolt when you, when you did, you know, your, uh, is it plenary? Am I saying that right? Yeah, it's yeah. plenary. Plenary, yeah. 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 <laughs> when you did, like, when you're prepping for it and, yeah, <laughs> please, I, I didn't intend, I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Is there, is there a jolt of like a re-energizing of, you know, what you're doing of like, oh yeah, this is, this is the reason I kind of, I got into what yeah. I was doing. Yeah, and maybe even just like preparing for a, uh, something like this too. Uh, I was talking with a few other people at the poster session before this where um, when you are preparing a talk for an audience, sometimes that is also the time where 
you've been in the nitty gritty of what you're doing and it's a time to like take that step back and be like, okay, what does this mean to other people? Or how (laughs) do I make this important to other people? And how do I synthesize? Like they don't need my like statistical rabbit hole that I just went down. Like nobody needs to (laughs) actually know that probably. (laughs) Um, So like how do I draw back from that? How do I give the big picture? um, What does this mean? And so I feel like that's a really good um, thing for that, that, that kind of comes before. Um, so, and then, yeah, you know, coming back with a little bit of renewed energy because you've, you've taken that big broad step and you've, you've put it in place for yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is what I'm doing. And, yeah. and coming back maybe gives a, a new perspective on what you need to do in the day to day too. It yeah. lasts for at least a little while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until you're like, Man. Until you're like, oh my gosh, I just need to do all the things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can hear that. Yeah. I hear that 100%. Yeah. I mean, th- this is great. And again, thank you so much for coming back, uh, coming back yeah. on with me and sharing most of your discussion. Um, <laughs> giving uh, you the redo. Giving me the redo of that. Um, but this is great. Bridget Borg, thank you so much. This is yeah. so cool. And uh, it's great. I'm glad we were able to do this in person. And yeah. uh, and do this again. Likewise. Yeah, Yeah, awesome. Thanks. How's everybody out there? And we'll be back with more. Bye, everybody. Looking to support Wolf Connection or sponsor one of the wolves in our pack? Just go to wolfconnection.org, click on the Donate tab, and find out more information. 